The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live and to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy, I don't think your computer, you're, there you are, there you are. Here I am. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Nancy. Haven't seen you in a whole week. I know. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm I'm better that you're here. It's so fun to be with you this morning. And I'm excited because we have amazing guests this morning that's going to be just presenting that. Uh, but, uh, we'll talk about that in a second, but just, you know, this check-in, um, because we, hello, we have a, some, a viewer saying, hello, gorgeous people. Hello, gorgeous to you. Um, so we're, th- we're thrilled because we've got this big day today, uh, Nancy here at Autism Live, and we're kicking it off this morning with you and Julie Matthews is going to be joining us in just a second, uh, talking with us about nutrition and being healthy and keeping our kids healthy and setting them up for success. Then um, later on today on Autism Live, we have our very last in a series. We're doing afternoon shows right now, Nancy, featuring card heroes. These are the people who are still, I know you've got some of them coming to your house, uh, yes, some of these amazing people. And yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, this, I, I got to be honest with you, this hour in the afternoon that we're spending with these young people has been the thing that I needed so badly to, because they fill me with hope. These people and how much they love our kids and to hear them get emotional about how much they're, they're missing our kids. Oh, I don't know about you, Nancy, but when I hear about how people feel privileged to work with our kids, it just, it makes me feel at least a hundred pounds lighter than I am. Yes, it does. And there are a lot of those guardians that, you know, really feel like this is their life's work to do this. And you got to love them for that. Absolutely. So it's delightful to have them uh, with us. And um, Dr. Grand Pichet is with us during that hour. And today is her birthday. And I just want to say to anybody who watches this show and has ever learned something from Ask Dr. Doreen or you know, you've had the, the pleasure to have had card employees work with you or with your kiddo, uh, please uh, spread the love, uh, send in a message either in this show or tune into the two o'clock hour when she's here, two o'clock Pacific time, and tell her yourself, uh, happy birthday, because to me, she's the original card hero, right? She's the card hero from which all card heroes spring, because it wouldn't happen without her. She created the place, it was her vision. So um, make sure that you're, you tune in for that. And plus, I have a special little video that I'm going to be debuting in that uh, second hour later on today with two very, very, very special guests who join me to say happy birthday to Dr. Grand Pichet. And believe me, they've never been on the show before and you'll love it. So uh, just, uh, okay. And, and I want to let you guys know that and we're going to be joined any second by our guest, our fabulous guest, uh, Julie Matthews from Nourishing Hope. And you guys are already writing in questions. Uh, We will make sure that she uh, has opportunity to hear those questions. Um, But they will will be from a nutritional and health standpoint. But I think so far what I'm seeing um, that, you know, you guys are in line with that, saying hello to everybody wherever they are. 
I know we've got several different continents already uh, joining us, Nancy, which is super awesome. Uh, and yeah, she's a, she's in our waiting room. So let's uh, let's welcome Julie Matthews, Nancy, to be with yeah. us because we don't want to fraud around today. We don't get Julie very often, and we want to yeah. make sure that we get plenty and of time to following talk to her, her advice for many years now for my own. Me sons. too. Me too. Julie, welcome to uh, to Autism Live and to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. You're here with Shannon and Nancy. Hi, Julie. Hi. <laughs> so thrilled to have you. Thank this, you. <laughs> this is so wonderful. We've been talking about this all week. Uh, we're so excited that you're here because Nancy and I are big fans of yours. We've been, we, as Nancy just said, you know, she's been following your advice. I've been following your advice. And I think both of us feel like it's really helped us with our kids. Am I, am I right, Nancy? Yes. I feel like Julie's advice has helped me a lot with my own son. So um really Me thrilled too. to actually meet her today and have a, a chance for our viewers to ask her questions because there's a lot to get into here. Thank you. You're, That's so nice to hear. Yeah. And maybe we want to start off by let's, let's hit the highlights here first that your, your website, which is nourishing hope, uh, is it.com or.org? Nourishinghope.com.com. Okay. And you have a book, which tell us the name of the book. Nourishing Hope for Autism. Do you see a theme here, folks? <laughs> and then and then you have a summit that's coming up very soon. What is the name of the summit? NourishingHopeSummit.com. There you go. There's the theme. We don't have to guess. And and tell us when and, and how we would access that summit. So that runs from April 20th to the 26th. It's all free online. We have five interviews every day for a whole week and we're going to go it's it's actually designed a little bit more like a course in that each day has a theme so we start with you know what's the science behind all of this and then we go into you know how to support what good healthy nutrition looks like and picky eaters and really helping them and and we go you know step by step through helping with anxiety and hyperactivity and mood and focus and all of that and we just take people through so that whether you're a brand new beginner and you haven't started anything and you want to understand why should i spend my time doing this or you are really experienced and you've been doing it for 10 years and you want to know what's next we have things for all the different families. That's wonderful. Cause you know, I remember being a newbie and, and hearing you speak and going, okay, I, I have new things to do. And it really, it really created an entirely different path for us that we had many benefits from, but you know, now I I've been on this path for a while and I want to hear some of the new things. Cause I, you know, Nancy, you and I've been you and I have been doing this for a hot minute, have we not? That's right. We have been. And <laughs> it's always good to hear new things. I'm curious, Julie, before we dive into some of your recommendations and um, other things, just to find out how you got into this, this path. It's a really great question. People always ask me. I feel like it was divine intervention. I was in nutrition school and I was studying about, I, my first question was, you know, I was actually at a park and there were all these kids and it was like a kid's fair and it was like pizza and donuts and all sorts of junk food. And I started to think, is this part of the reason we've got some of the childhood epidemics like ADHD in such high amounts these days? And so uh, I started studying that. I did a big paper on that. And then it was just the first man that I met that I interviewed was Michael Lang. And Michael Lang has since passed away from pancreatic cancer. Uh, but at the time, he said, we spent five minutes talking about ADHD when I interviewed him. And we spent all the rest of the time on autism and, and gluten and dairy and glutathione and all of this. And he said, you know, nobody is doing this. We need people that do this. And I just thought, well, I guess this is my new calling in life. And I, I, it was mostly because of seeing the kids suffering so much and then having them be told that there's nothing they could do when I knew that there were things that they could do. So that's really how it all started. And after diving into it and helping families and seeing kids feel better and get better, I mean, you can imagine I was uh, committed. So that's, that's how it got started. Great. Amazing. Amazing. And we've already got people who say are writing in and saying that they've already registered for the seminar because they can do it right now, right? If they go to nourishinghope.com. 
Absolutely. They can go there now. And as we go through the conversation today, I have a special handout that I created uh, actually for our conversation today, but everybody that registers will get this handout we'll talk about um, as well as a bunch of other things. So yes, they can go there anytime and sign up. Okay, wonderful. Now we have been saying all week long that you've got three things that you want to recommend that we can do in this emergency, because I think a lot of us have felt a little less empowered. You can't quite get to the stores that you used to be able to get to or get to the items that you could get to, making it a little bit harder. But we, if we've seen some success with this kind of thing, then we know we don't really want to, this is not the moment that we want to let it slip, uh, right? Exactly. Um, and for people who have not yet tried, uh, you know, some of the things that you're going to talk about, there are some benefits uh, to doing these things immediately right now in this COVID emergency, correct? I believe so. You know, I'm not going to claim to be a COVID expert, but uh, you can even talk, you look at the World Health Organization, uh, the UK government, they're all saying the best thing we can do right now. There was an article I was just reading. I can probably post the link. The best thing we can do is eat healthy and try to be as healthy as we can. And, and I, I, I got to be honest, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I wasn't even thinking about that, that in terms of staying healthy, I was thinking about staying sane because you're stuck in your house with your kiddos and you want to minimize behaviors. And, exactly. but, but there is a benefit to keeping your inflammation low down. I'm not, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm going to let you tell, but can you tell us the yes. three things? And Nancy and I are going to drop our cameras out. So you get to be full screen. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yes, I know, uh, but we're here. We're not going away. So we're we'll right here. Great. So the, the, to me, the first thing that families can do is get rid of the junk food, the artificial additives, processed food, that can do an incredible, uh, that can play in a really powerful role in helping kids and their behavior. We know from decades of research that artificial colors, flavors, preservatives are known to create hyperactivity and irritability in all types of children. So um, whether they have a condition or they're neurotypical, or we just know that these additives can create behavioral challenges. Uh, and so that's the first one. And the whether, uh, I guess, whether it's good or bad, a lot of the junk food is not in the stores anyway, because sadly, people are buying junk food in larger amounts than ever. So there isn't a lot of it. I guess that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, you know, if it's in your home, uh, that stuff is usually pretty easy to get rid of and can make a really, really profound difference. Uh, to me, just doing that is really going to be very helpful. I have seen kids get um, very hyper, not be able to sleep at night, aggressive, um, anxious, irritable, uh, can't focus, jumping, you know, all over, you know, just not being able to stay calm um, from those artificial colors, flavors, and preservatives. So that would be number one. Number two would be to try to get as healthy a food as possible. As I was saying earlier, uh, that the World Health Organization and others are saying, you know, the best thing we can do is, you know, in addition to obviously all the obvious things like trying to be as safe as possible with washing our hands and all that stuff, is to try to make our system as strong as possible. And that involves eating healthy food. And so vegetables, fruits, um, whole foods, less processed foods, uh, those kinds of things. And then the third piece of it is, uh, Shannon, you were talking about inflammation. So reducing inflammation as much as we can. So dairy uh, creates a lot of congestion, a lot of inflammation. Gluten can create a lot of inflammation in the gut. So as we go through, we can talk more about gluten and dairy. Um, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk as we go on here. I created a handout of uh, ideas for people that have three ingredients or less. So healthy food you can do for your family right now with staples you most likely have in your kitchen at this point in time, or you should be fairly easy uh, to get them at the grocery store um, that are going to be healthy and support your system. And they all happen to be gluten-free and dairy-free. So whether you want to try a gluten-free and dairy-free diet now, or just add some new foods so you can start to incorporate some because you might want to try a gluten-free, dairy-free diet at some point, you'll have a host of 
10 or more very easy kid-friendly recipes you can try right away. And we can dive into some of those. But when people sign up for Nourishing Hope Summit, um, they will get this handout at, in addition to a number of other resources that I can share. Spectacular. Julie, let's talk about the gluten-free, dairy-free diet for a minute because it does, it is highly recommended in autism circles. A lot of parents do uh, adopt that diet. Um, but a lot of parents think it's too difficult to do. What do you say to that for those yes. that say it's too difficult? Yes. Well, it's like, it, I want to first acknowledge it is challenging at the beginning. When you're first getting started, it's a big learning curve. And so you have to figure out all the things that might have that in there. And then you have to get your child to eat them, which when you have a child with autism is not an easy task always. So I understand where people are coming from. But once you get the kind of the foundations of it in place, it is no more difficult than any diet. Instead of this bread, you use this bread or instead of this snack food, you use this other snack food. And so once you get going and you find a few staples your child will like, then it's really no more different than difficult than any other diet. And as they feel better and they're more calm, they're more focused, your family is more, you know, happy and calm and you just have more space to do any little extra that you might need in order to get uh, the diet, you know, um, just to continue to maintain the diet. So I really have found that uh, when, when I talk to parents, it's really only the beginning. So taking baby steps, maybe, you know, starting with maybe these 10 or 11 or 12 recipes, I'm suggesting at first, get them on hand, just have your child eating some new things before you even take out the old things. And that can make a really big difference in making it easier for them to do. Wonderful. And we've got a lot of people that are writing in questions here. I do want to say a couple of people have, one person in particular has written in and said, you know, it isn't one size fits all. And I think we definitely want to acknowledge that, that yes. they themselves uh, tried to cut dairy out, uh, but they found that it had important nutrients for them and that they lost too much weight when they cut out cheese and that it depends on the person. Um, you know, and for some of us, this is a benefit that when we cut out the dairy that, you know, that we lose weight. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that it's not a one size fits all, but many of us found that when, um, and there are, there's lots of conflicting research about this, right? Mm -hmm. About the gluten-free casein-free diet, because a lot of people will tell you that, you know, it hasn't been found to be effective. Um, but if you look at those studies, I have some issues with that because mm -hmm. our kids are not one size fits all. Exactly. I, I can only speak personally and, and Nancy can speak for her case and in her household, but uh, I'm somebody who happened to be allergic to dairy as a child mm -hmm. and became allergic to wheat as an adult. And then I had a child and I had a child who was speaking and stopped speaking. Mm -hmm. And when, and somebody said to me, well, maybe you should try to remove gluten. And because I was allergic to wheat, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what, I didn't, never heard that phrase before, didn't know what it was. And, and the, as they were explaining and they were saying, oh, you know, it's a, it's a wheat protein. I was like, wheat? Oh, I'm allergic to wheat. And then it was a week later that we found out about the dairy protein casein. And my son um, had an almost immediate beneficial reaction to a gluten-free casein-free diet. And everyone, now he's 16 and every once in a while we'll do a challenge. And we have found that his body does not like it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so we get a huge benefit. And I will be honest with you that my son went from having no language that when we took out gluten and dairy, he started adding five words a day. That wow. is not, that is not going to be everybody's experience. I'm, I'm you know, I just, I want to be a hundred percent honest here, but that is why I am so adamant about people should at least try it. Right. Because One what of the benefits, Shannon, I don't know if you also had behavioral benefits in addition oh, to language. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wyatt I, stopped yeah. having his massive tantrums that he was having like five, six, seven tantrums a day to, you know, a couple of tantrums every week. So yes. he, he definitely lowered his anxiety, his ADHD lowered when, yeah. when we started the GFCF diet. That's One of the things... One of the things I tell people to go back and look at, you can find it online. Uh, Phil Donahue in 1984, folks, did a show 
on uh, on milk and and milk allergies and it's terrible nobody would ever do this again because it was terrible but it it changed the way a lot of us looked at dietary stuff he had kids that were there who had been off of dairy for a while and during a commercial break they all drank milk and by the end of the show you could see how these kids were and it was horrifying wow because for a kiddo who has a milk reaction who behavior uh, you know yes. and it's almost instant so yeah. anyway so we just want you yeah, go ahead. I just want to um, uh, comment on the woman that was mentioning that's not one size fits all. I completely agree. I actually have an institute where I train practitioners called bioindividual nutrition because of this very point. Because not, of course, everyone is unique. Everybody uh, has unique life circumstances, unique uh, genes, unique, uh, you know, what everything, and therefore their diet is needs to be customized, personalized to their unique needs. So there is not one diet that works for everybody. Um, I would say though, that gluten and dairy free is a typical good place for a lot of people to start. I have had, I actually have one family I know that absolutely benefits from dairy. So as you said, there are some families, but I don't run across it that often. Um, but I usually take it a step further and say, okay, well, could you also have a challenge with grains or phenols or other things. And until you get the right kind of combination, you, you, you might not see all the benefits you're looking for. So I would agree that I, my message is always the diet needs to be customized to the individual. Okay. Can we uh, address some of these questions that we're getting right now? Yes. Somebody wants to know, how do you know if your kid is sensitive to oxalates, histamine, also, what is the best allergy test, IgG or IgE? Okay, great questions. I'm writing them down. So um, how do you know if your child, um, so we, th those are some of the other food compounds for people that are new. Histamine or amines um, are a type of compound. Um, we think of histamine creating that allergy response, so that very inflammatory response in things like um, aged meats and um, other, you know, uh, bone broths and things like that. And then oxalates being in um, compounds like um, uh, nuts and, and other compounds like that. And so when we, um, when uh, the best way to know, it's, a, you know, sometimes it's symptoms, sometimes it's looking at, um, Sometimes it's, uh, there are some tests, but there are, you know, usually I'll do a combination of lab tests and symptoms to really get a good idea if somebody might be reacting to a certain food. And then um, IgG versus IgE, well, um, that's going, th that, it depends what someone has. An IgE reaction tests more allergies. So that's going to be peanut allergies or anaphylaxis type response uh, versus IgG is more of a food sensitivity, a delayed inflammatory response that creates more chronic inflammation, maybe constipation, congestion, things like that. Um, so uh, yeah, those are a couple of those. Uh, hopefully that helps. Okay. Uh, Nikki wants to know uh, about refusals. She says that her son refuses to try anything new, that he had no language until 10 years old and with lots of help, he is verbal, now 22 years old, but he is refusing new foods and is living on a very limited diet. Mm. You know, it's, it's tricky. Um, I actually just saw a great story just the other day uh, on, you know, you know, families are not able to get their child's favorite chicken nuggets or fast food or whatever it is. So this one mom got very creative and she actually made herself a McDonald's French fry box and, you know, all the different kind of wrappings and made her own things and put them inside. And then the child ate them and the child loved them and is really excited now. Now that doesn't work for all kids, but is, is it brand specific? Is there a way that you could do something creative like that? Is it a matter of what is it in that food that they particularly like? Is it that it's more salty than the food you make at home? Maybe you can add more salt to it. Is it that they have MSG or other things that stimulate your brain and tell you this tastes good? You're probably not going to be able to mimic that too well. And you 
probably don't want to because glutamate excites the brain, creates a lot of hyperactivity and an inability to calm one's self back down. So I would kind of look at what are the foods they like? Can you mimic that texture with something else? Let's say they like potato chips. Can you start making carrot chips or something else where just little by little, you can take baby steps to expand their diet out? Yeah, I, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to be very unpopular. And Nancy, you can chime in here too, that I, I think that we as parents get into um, routines and we never want to shake our kids up too far. But the, the story that I always go back to is the mom who insisted and told me that, you know, her she had a child who would only eat one thing and only eat that thing ever. And then they went on vacation and they were, you know, someplace where there was a hurricane and for three days they couldn't get access to that thing. And there was not even a question of it. They just couldn't get access. And her kid ate vegetables and ate all the other things. And she said, I don't understand. It was like a magic trick. We get a hurricane and he eats other things. And, and I, well, I don't think that it's one size fits all ever. Uh, it did remind me that part of it is, you know, we put things in the house and those are comfort things for us to give them because food is love. Mm-hmm. Let's admit it. And it's the way that we show love to them. But if that thing isn't there, then it makes it infinitely easier. And we are in an, a circumstance right now where you can't necessarily get your hands on everything and how, you know, your kids might be experiencing some anxiety over that, but, you know, are you able to get them to eat other things? I don't know. Just throwing that out there. I like to be unpopular. <laughs> no, I, that's a great story to hear because that is, um, I think it, it helps other people. You know, so many times parents will say, will say, well, their child doesn't eat any vegetables they start going gluten and dairy free. Now their child eats more vegetables. Um, also, you know, I, you know, I completely agree. You know, we do our best. We love our kids. I mean, it's our, it's in our nature to nurture them. So if that's give them whatever they're going to eat, of course, that's you know, that seems reasonable. Um, but I bet you, in part, this mom she couldn't get it. So because there's a little part in our brain. This is a story I like to tell about my husband. He's a, he's like. A, really crazy picky eater before we met he ate like 10 foods so I don't I'm not I mean that with all sincerity so when our baby was like six months old maybe eight months whatever I was on a call and I couldn't feed our daughter so I said okay I made these fresh peas I ground them up you know feed these to her well he didn't like peas so I got done with the call and I said how did it go did she eat the peas and he said nope she would not eat those peas and I said what was wrong? Did they not taste good? You know, taste them. What do they taste like? He wouldn't, it turns out he didn't taste them because he thought they were gross. So he tried to feed them to her. She wouldn't eat them because she sensed on some level, there's a danger here. This, this adult is not feeling comfortable. So there's a way that if we have, you know, that the more resolve and certainty and confidence we have with what we're feeding our child, it does, I believe it does translate to how accepting and probably maybe in this mom's case, she was just like, oh my gosh, I can't get that food. So I've got to move forward with what we have. I don't know, maybe that translated to somehow for that child. And this mom has written in a little bit more information. She said the diet he has is a variety of textures. So textures are okay, but he refuses new foods. And she's asking a very real question and I really wanna honor it about what do you do if the food that's preferred isn't available and then he refuses to eat anything. Because the one thing that we don't ever want is a child who's failing to thrive or starving. No yes. one wants that. Absolutely. And um I am always of, you know, there's this, there's this rumor out there or whatever that I really dislike, which is that don't worry, eventually your, your kid will eat. They won't starve. Well, that's not always true in autism. They might not eat. And I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to put more fear. I mean, I'm all about nourishing hope, clearly. Um, but I want to acknowledge this mother, as you said, there is a real fear and, and concern. And if a family, if that's all their child would eat, you know, you do the best that you can do. What this mother's saying and what a lot of parents are telling me now is, but I can't get that food. So now what do you do? Now you have to do something um, if that food isn't available. And so that's why in the handout that I um, have when you register for the summit um, at nourishinghopesummit.com is a, um, you know, if you can't get your chicken nuggets, try these gluten-free chicken nuggets. Every single recipe is three ingredients 
or, um, or less. Um, so in this case, it's uh, chicken, eggs, and any kind of gluten-free breading. Uh, gluten-free flour, gluten-free crackers, ground up, anything you can find. And most people can find chicken and eggs and some sort of rice flour or something. So that's one example. So I would say, um, you know, if you can't find your favorite, um, uh, you know, I would say try to do your best with trying to create something as similar to what they like now as possible. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and Nancy, I'm not really getting letting you have a word in edgewise here, but there was a question asked early on about, um, can you uh, talk a little bit about seizures? Um, and I, I think that there is a, a, a nutritional component to this we're learning, correct? Well, there could be some diets that could help. So, um, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think diets cause seizures, but the, you know, for, I would say many decades, I'd say 70 years or more, I believe, we have known that uh, the ketogenic diet has been used for intractable seizures. So we do know that's one thing. There are certain people that can't, um, they can't cleanly burn uh, glucose and for whatever reason that creates seizures for them. And if they eat a diet very high in fat and they're able to turn into fat burning instead of sugar burning, that that does uh, either resolve or improve their seizures. Now, again, everybody's unique. That one dietary approach does not work for everybody with seizures. Um, so, you know, and, and I, I'm not one to say, um, you, know, uh, you know, what somebody should do definitively with a medical problem, but for people that are asking, there can, you know, there can be a biochemical component to these. So then the question is, well, what might be underlying it? And for some people, it might be that inability to break uh, or to use sugars properly. Um, for other people, it might be something else. You know, there's a number of different clients I've had that have found different approaches to be helpful. So I would say in that case, it's tricky. Again, it's a medical issue. If you can get on a telemedicine call with your, hopefully your uh, functional medicine or biomedical doctor and, you know, kind of see which direction might be the best for you to go. Um, you know, is it grain free? Is it ketogenic? Uh, you know, what, what might it be for that person? Nancy, that you had, yeah, yeah, we've had success with the keto diet. My son had seizures and we put him on the keto diet. What do you think in general about the ketogenic diet? There's a lot of controversy about it. There is, there is. I love looking up the research on these things. In fact, we should at some point maybe talk about the research on GFCF because Shannon was saying, you know, there's a lot of questions. We, there's tons of research on the GFCF. In fact, including a study that I was part of. So I'd love to talk about that. But for now, let's talk about uh, ketogenic. Uh, there was a really cool study that was done, I want to say in the last year or two, it's on my website. Um, if you go to nourishinghope.com, I did a whole write-up of the science. I spoke with the author. I um, took some of his data and made some new charts to make it easier to understand. Um, the gist of it was they took a group of people with autism, half they put on the ketogenic diet, half they put on the GFCF diet. They both did well. They both improved. Different ones might've improved a little more on this diet. Other symptoms might've improved a little more on this diet, but they said kind of overall, the ketogenic diet might've even done a little bit better. Um, now, 30% of the people dropped out of the ketogenic diet because it's challenging. So my goal is always, well, what diet is doable and effective? So I like to start with the easiest, most simple things first, like a GFCF diet. If that doesn't work, maybe somebody will work their way up. Um, but in this case, both diets were quite effective and including the ketogenic diet. Now it wasn't for seizures per se, it was, but it was for people with autism. Okay, wow, great. interesting. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the GFCF uh, research because uh, you know, it depends on who you're talking to. There are lots of, and I'll, I'll put my camera back on so you can see me talking. Uh, but uh, there are, if you talk to people, some people in the world of ABA, they will tell you, oh, you know, there's, there's no study showing that it does anything. But if you talk to anybody in the biomedical world, they're like, what are you talking about? There's 150 studies. <laughs> and, and so it's very interesting to me who's looking at what study. Yeah. Um, I just look at the study in my living room and I go, okay, I'm done. 
Exactly. Um, but I do, I am interested in hearing about the, the studies that are there. What, what do you have to say, Julie? Yes, so there are lots of studies. There are studies looking at the opioids in the urine. So gluten and dairy, if they're not broken down properly by digestion, they can create um, these proteins that can leak into the bloodstream and they can create uh, um, all, they can fit in the opiate receptor like morphine does or heroin does. And they can create what? A lot of addictions to those foods and a lot of cognitive challenges, behavioral challenges, all sorts of things. There are a number of studies on that. Um, now there are a couple studies saying, oh, well, uh, that, um, opiate thing, we don't, we can't replicate that. Well, there was another study that came out that said, well, in order to replicate it, you have to properly process that urine you're sending to the lab. It has to be, I think, kept really cold or something, or those compounds will degrade. So, you know, the studies that show they didn't find that I'm wondering, could it have been that? Because there are a number of studies showing that for people with autism, they do have these opioid compounds specifically related to gluten and dairy in their urine in higher amounts. And we know in other studies that they can cross the blood-brain barrier and they can get in the opiate receptor. So that's one. We also know that people with um, issues with gluten and casein that have autism improve digestively, their digestive symptoms improve when they're on a gluten and casein-free diet. Um, there are studies that show that gluten and casein can be inflammatory for uh, the digestive system. Uh, and, and a study that I was part of, I was published two years ago now, it was with Dr. Jim Adams, who is the lead, who is uh, an amazing researcher and a father of an adult daughter with autism. Um, I consider him a, a mentor. Um, and we did a study looking at the gluten casein-free diet along with five other nutrition interventions, a multivitamin mineral formula, essential fatty acid, and so on. And we found uh, four and a half times the developmental age improvement. So um, and, and, uh, uh, almost seven point increase in IQ uh, and improvements in autism symptoms, anxiety, depression, uh, irritability, the sociability, the list goes on and on. And so for that, um, uh, what do I want to say about that? Um, uh, oh, oh, the developmental age. So, you know, it was a one year study and you'd expect a neurotypical child to develop one year in one year. And you'd expect a delayed, you know, somewhat a developmental delay to um, develop less. So that seems normal. They develop for the control group developed four months in the 12 month period. The, the group that got the interventions developed 18 months in that 12 month period. They developed four and a half times as fast and started catching up to their peers in that they were beyond what you'd expect developmentally in 12 months. So those are just some of the results from the combination of this, uh, the, these approaches. Uh, they, somebody wants you to speak about the supplement study, the study you did with supplements. Yes. So the supplements was part. So the supplements was part of that study. So we looked at um, a multivitamin mineral formula, uh, essential fatty acid blend, uh, digestive enzymes, carnitine, and Epsom salt baths. So um, people would soak in those. Um, and um, parents found there the thing, well, now the multivitamin mineral formula was added first and each thing was layered month after month. So the parents found the biggest benefit they felt with the multivitamin mineral formula. I'm always curious if we mixed those and moved them around, would they always get the best benefit with the first thing that we did? Or is it specifically that multivitamin? I do think a multivitamin mineral formula is very effective. Um, Dr. Adams did a number of studies before this with this very multivitamin mineral formula, first taking the kids and just doing a, a nutritional workup on them and then adding the supplement in. And he found improvements in the nutritional vet markers and uh, or the, yeah, the, like the nutritional values and the markers associated with improved um, you know, methylation and sulfation and things like that. So um, there are a number of studies looking at uh, supplements. Okay. But are we, is this a point when we're talking about multivitamins where we should 
touch a little bit on the MTHFR because I know some people run out and get a multivitamin and it can actually be a multivitamin that has an ingredient that come to find out two years down the road, their kid has tested positive for the MTHFR and that's not the right multivitamin for them. Do you wanna talk yeah. at all about that? Sure. So MTHFR is a gene that helps us to convert uh, folate into the active form, this methylfolate that we need. Uh, we know a lot of people with autism um, have problems with methylation. In fact, a study done by Dr. Jill James showed that, uh, oh, well, oh, actually there were a couple studies. She's done many studies. Um, but one of the studies that was done um, was looking at uh, these methylation markers. They looked at these very specific um, markers in, in total and found that when these uh, collection of methylation markers were um, uh, looked at, it had an 80 some percent accuracy in determining autism. So they were almost, see, we see in autism, it's all subjective. Do you have these symptoms? We look for them, we mark them down. Are they severe enough? This was the first kind of quantitative thing saying we can almost predict autism based on these markers. Um, you know, again, it's not diagnostic at this point, but it was so accurate. They thought, you know, we're really onto something. These kids really have this methylation issue. And one of the methylation, um, important genes for methylation is MTHFR. And so we need to be able to convert the folate that comes in the form of folic acid that's fortified in our grains, that comes in a lot of multivitamin formulas to the active form of methylfolate. And if we don't have proper MTHFR functioning, then we can't make that conversion. And without that, all of methylation can suffer. Also, like I said, they often have multiple methylation genes. So that can compound the challenge as well. And so getting good forms of uh, folate in your food and getting a proper form of folate in your supplements, a folinic acid or a methylfolate, depending on who you are, can make a really important difference. Julie, you have a two minute clip that you gave us, but I don't know, we have more questions too. I don't know how much of it you've already covered than the clip. Should we show the clip? Should we keep with the questions? What do you think? What would you um, like to do? And we've you know, got time to do both. It doesn't matter to me. I've never, I, I you know, I, you can ask my husband, I hate video. So, so, um, <laughs> but, but it, it's totally, um, I, you know, and, and so I never even really watch most of my video clips. So, um, we could go well, let's give way. you a break. Let's give you a break. You rest for a second. It's only two minutes long. Okay, let's take right. a look at the clip. Then we're going to come back and ask uh, some more questions. Okay. So take a look, you guys. This is Julie Matthews, Nourishing Hope. Register for that webinar right now. This is, this is happening. Certainly there are things we can do for prevention in the future, but because this, this epidemic is upon us now, what would be the top three things you would recommend for a, a better, creating a better life mm. for people with autism? Mm. I would look at diet number one, and I would start with something simple that everyone can do, which is take out artificial ingredients, artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, MSG, all of that. It's very, it's the, a really easy way, but we can see dramatic improvement with, with our children with ADHD or autism or any of them. And then looking at taking out the inflammatory foods. For children with autism, it's often gluten and dairy can be very inflammatory. They creates a inability to digest them and they actually end up with opiates like morphine or heroin that are floating around that can fit in the opiate receptor and trigger a very similar brain chemical response. So getting out the inflammatory foods or the foods that are causing neurological challenges and then adding good healthy nutrition in because a lot of them have underlying let's say methylation issues or things that require good folate so just even simple things like getting good vegetables into your kids i know that can be challenging with autism particularly we know that they are known to be picky eaters and there's a number of reasons for that but i really like to encourage parents not to despair and to keep going because you can get really creative with texture and you can start to make vegetables. I just had a client the other day in this program that I'm doing and she wrote back, the mom wrote back and said, you know, my child is eating vegetables for the first time. And they're not earth shattering ideas, but they are creative ideas that I think a lot of parents sometimes get stuck. So if we can just make 
healthy foods more kid-friendly, then we can start to get them to eat healthier. Well, where can we go to see some examples of that? Because that does seem like a simple thing that we can do right away that can change the lives of our little ones. Absolutely, so they can find more information. My book's called Nourishing Hope for Autism and I have a website, nourishinghope.com. And the, there's all sorts of in, helpful information, recipes and things to help parents get started. Beautiful, well, thank you for giving so much hope to so many, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I don't know if I've ever heard the better name of a website in my life, nourishinghope.com, because nourishing our bodies, nourishing our souls, nourishing our children, is there any better way to live better? Thank you for your courage to nourish yourself, to nourish your little ones, to nourish the world, and to continue on this journey. <laughs> Wonderful. And so uh, for, for people who have joined us late, you're getting ready to have this ginormous summit. Tell us again when it is and what the details are so that they can start to register. Yes, so it's nourishinghopesummit.com and it is going to be April 20th through the 26th and it is going to be free. Uh, there's 35 interviews. We um, have Dr. Adams talking about the study that we were part of. We have Dr. Martha Herbert talking. Uh, she's a pediatric uh, neurologist. Uh, we've got from Harvard. We've got um, all sorts of people talking about how to make, how to cook in your kitchen, creative ideas for picky eaters. Um, we've got a whole picky eater section. Um, we've got um, more advanced diets. We're going to talk about ketogenic diet with an expert, a PhD who started studying ketogenic diet for uh, divers in the Navy who had gotten brain injuries. We, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, really exciting topics. So they can um, go there, register for free. As I was saying, um, turns out that um, the, uh, well, I guess those three tips were, I guess I was right on point. Um, it's funny that I had the same tips today that I did then, but I guess, you know, they are obviously three very important uh, points. Um, but yeah, they can go there um, and they'll get the handout, you know, three ingredient recipes that you can make at home right now that you probably have in your refrigerator or that you can get at the store on the form there or on the handout, there's a little short grocery list of, you know, 20 items that are the recipes, you know, carrots, uh, chicken, eggs, um, you know, uh, kale, just simple things. And most of the grocery stores do have those in stock. Um, so yeah. a great way for people to get started with some really healthy things. And as I was, oh, the one thing that I, that from the, the clip was the kid-friendly component. That is something we only talked a little about today that I think is really important because um, there was a study done, I briefly mentioned in the clip on picky eaters and autism there are some, not only are they picky eaters, I think, um, I forget all the stats right now, but they also had three or more picky eating behaviors, including two that only existed in the autism group, which was pica, which is eating non-food items and pocketing food, which is, you know, not swallowing it. Um, so we know they have very specific eating needs and habits. They have sensory issues. So if you're not tasting the food very well, because maybe you're zinc deficient and you've got texture issues, eating like slimy, like kale is going to be highly offensive. So let's make kale chips, crispy, crunchy, salty. Rarely do I have a child that I found that doesn't like them. But again, just Sometimes it's simple things that parents just aren't aware of. So I really like to look at that. So, and then when you also register, I, there's two more guides and one of them are um, kid-friendly recipes. And there, so there's more recipes there. And then I also have a 12-step guide that comes from my program. I give you all the steps for free, all 12 steps, baby steps through advanced steps, um, on how to eat a healthy diet and how to make it kid-friendly and then how to advance it with some of these other concepts. And if all of this is free when you register for the the, uh, the summit and the summit is free also, Julie? Absolutely, it's all free. So you really can't go wrong, you guys. And, and the place that they wanna go to register for the summit is? Uh, nourishinghopesummit.com. 
Okay. Uh, now, uh, some, many of you are writing in and saying, well, can I have the link to this study that she was talking about? Can I have the link to that study that she's talking about? Go to nourishinghope.com so that you can get all the information that Julie has and you can be having a conversation with Julie because uh, we would be posting things all day long. Uh, somebody else wants to know, we've tried to give our son supplements to support his methylation pathway, but he has a corn intolerance and had a negative reaction, behavior and mood, uh, to a, a, a supplement. Our naturopath prescribed pure encapsulations. Can you recommend a clean brand for someone with a corn allergy? And maybe that's a question they need to ask you because I, I bet you have more questions for them. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard for me to fully answer a question. What was the supplement? What were you looking for? Um, but a lot of times vitamin C is derived from corn. So there are some people that might react. I've had um, some clients very sensitive. And so they would need to find a brand that didn't have any of the ingredients derived from corn. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Nancy, I, I, I feel bad. I'm not letting you squeeze in. You jump in if you have a question for Julie, okay? Okay, I will. Um, one of the things that we were talking about getting kids to eat non-preferred foods, what you can do, which is based in ABA, what my therapists have done is you give them the non-preferred food, but follow it up with the preferred food. Hmm. So you, you introduce tiny, tiny amounts. Is that something that you recommend, Julie? I think any time you can expose a child to a new food is a good thing. So if they're, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say, okay, you know, let's give them um, a cookie before we give them, you know, something healthy. But if they're not going to eat the healthy thing, and the first way we can even get them to eat the healthy thing is to do some sort of a reward in the short term, but now they get exposure to it over and over, and they're probably eating the you know, the preferred food to begin with anyway, then I do think that that's a fine strategy for the short, short term. Anything we can do to expand their kind of their mind to the fact that these aren't scary and that they ate them and they liked them, I think can be a positive thing. Now there might be, there might be better ways to do it. I mean, I'd rather not give the preferred food if it's not an ideal food. But like I said, if they're already eating it anyway, it, it'll give you some leverage. And right. I feel like and sometimes kids just need to get over the fear of the food by being exposed to it. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, Julie, I'm a big fan of sneaking things into things and not telling people. And I always say to people, you know, I admit that my, my son is not a picky eater. I don't know how I lucked out in that uh, lottery, but I lucked out in that lottery. He's epicurious. It is my husband. You talked about your husband only having 10 foods. I think my husband could beat your husband. And my husband had not seen a vegetable up close uh, for at least 10 years before we started dating. And I started sneaking things into like the meatloaf. I sneak broccoli and carrots into the meatloaf instead of the bread and the cheese and the egg. And it, I swear um, to this day, I don't think he realizes he's like, this is the best meatloaf ever. And it, you know, it has none of the bad stuff and all the good stuff. And he ends up getting like two servings of vegetables. This is my husband, you guys. In I his understand. Book, right? Um, but are, so are you a fan of sneaking things in when it's our kids or do you think it pulls them further away from understanding what they're eating? I think it could be either way. And I think you need to understand your child in order for this strategy. I, I love those ideas. I love sneaking things in because sometimes you know, I don't know, kids, do they just, you know, they, they don't want it, but if it's there, they don't really mind. The one, the one challenge that I would caution some parents is super picky eaters. Um, if, if they only eat, let's say, uh, two proteins, let's say they eat meatballs and something else, and now you've messed with their meatballs, and now they reject the meatballs, and you only got one food left, you know, that's a little, you know, dangerous um, per se. Okay, be careful. So, so I would say it's all about knowing your child. With that said, I would say a vast majority of my clients sneak healthy things in because they, they, their kid doesn't mind, their kid doesn't notice it, they get more nutrition in, just like you said. So for the most of the time, I think it's a great strategy. It's just, you really need to know your child to know that because what we want to do, we never want to lose trust with our child around feeding them because it can be difficult to get that back. Okay, 
okay with my husband, but not so much with our That's kids. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I want to make sure before we run out of time, because we're down to the last four minutes here, yep. that we tell people again, there is this summit and tell them the dates again, Julie. The, uh, the summit is April 20th through the 26th. And so that whole week, starting on Monday, there'll be talks every day and um, in, they can go to nourishinghopesummit.com to register for free. Okay. And is it a certain time each day? And, uh, you know, tell us about that. During each 24 hour period, they will have access to any or all of the interviews that day. So if there's specific ones on that day, they can listen to those whenever they want to. Wonderful. Wonderful. So you can do it on your own schedule, but you got to make sure that you look at the calendar and go, okay, I've got 24 hours I want to see this interview with this person. I've got 24 hours. I'm going to fit it in where I can do it. Exactly. That's very clever, Julie. That's very smart of you. Thanks. I mean, I like to make things as um, easy for people to be able to make use of them as possible. So I want to make it accessible for people and also put it in an order that they can wrap their, their, you know, they can, uh, you know, they can make good use of that learning. And if they go to the summit page, nourishingupsummit.com, they'll see all the days and all the speakers so they can plan it out ahead of time. If they know they've only got limited time, they can mark their calendar now with the ones they really want to see. And if they say, you know what, I really love these. I can't see them all right now or, or um, whatever it is, you, there is an opportunity to buy them and then own them for a lifetime. So you can go back to them as many times as you want. And, you know, what, so I wanted to really make it accessible. I know that during this time, people might not have a lot of extra funds. And if they don't, I want to make everything available for them for free. I want parents, you know, I want, well, obviously I want kids to get better and feel better. And I want to support parents during this difficult time as much as possible. Well, that is awesome. So you have nothing to lose. Go and register. Then you'll get the recipes. You're going to get those three handouts um, and you'll be registered and you can you can see them um, on your own time within those 24-hour periods. And if you need more, there is more. In fact, if you need more from Julie, Julie has other services too. Uh, you, you take clients on to, to help with more, uh, you know, entrenched issues. And um, she is available to do that all through nourishinghope.com. Nancy, I, we love her, don't we? We do. You're just a wealth of knowledge, Julie. Oh. It's, it's so nice to know that these are simple things you can do to make a difference in your child's life. It's very empowering. Absolutely. That's, that's wonderful. Yes. It, it, trying just a simple thing or two, just start wherever you are and see baby steps, little steps, step-by-step can really make a big difference. You don't have to do it all overnight. You can just start incorporating a few healthy things, they, the few healthy gluten-free things. And then before you know it, little by little. So I just want to encourage families to, you know, stick with it. Wonderful. And uh, I, I just, we've got a minute here and I want to tease about um, what's happening later on today and what's happening next week. Uh, for those, and I, I don't know if you two know this, we've been doing a morning show for Autism Live this week and an afternoon show. This afternoon, we're doing the last of those special shows. It's called the Card Heroes uh, Tribute and where we're having people who are card heroes. You're not going to want to miss it. It's at two o'clock Pacific time. That's 5 p.m. Eastern time with Dr. Doreen Grant Pichet. It is her birthday. If you love this woman like the three of us do, make sure you tune in during that hour. Say happy birthday to her and see some of these amazing card heroes. But I also want to let you know next week on the show really quickly on Monday, we've got a special education attorney, Bonnie Yates on and the pocket OT, Kara Kaczynski is going to be joining us to talk about OT things you can be doing at home. On Tuesday, Elaine Hall from the Miracle Project is going to be here to talk about the sequel to Autism the Musical. It's, it's a premiering on HBO just in two weeks. You're going to want to hear from her. On Wednesday, we have Dr. Doreen Grampiche answering your questions for Ask Dr. Doreen. On Thursday, international speaker and autism self-advocate Carrie Magro is going to be here with us and I got a message of hope for everybody. And then Friday, Nancy and I are going to be back here with documentary filmmaker and autism advocate disruptor Vena Tierro, which we're very excited to welcome Vena back to the show and hear about her new documentary uh, that believing in miracles in spite of the, uh, the autism, uh, in spite of autism is what the name of it. So Nancy, pretty exciting week, right? 
Good week, Shannon. It's a great, it's great April. How, how could we deliver less? Right. So that's all happening. Um, but be registering for that webinar right now. Uh, Nourishing Hope, not webinar, summit, excuse me. Uh, NourishingHopeSummit.com. Yes? Yes. Did I get it right? Um, and go to NourishingHope.com for more information, all things Julie Matthews. But come back here at two o'clock in just a few hours, four, what, three hours, uh, to see that Card Heroes and Wish, Dr. Grand Pichet, a happy birthday. We're out. Uh, but until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. And thank you for joining us, Julie. Thank Thanks, you so Julie. much. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Happy, Bye. happy Passover. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.